Welcome to the Redeemer Community Church Podcast. The following audio is from Redeemer Community Church, located in Johnson City, Tennessee. We hope it will be encouraging to you as you listen. Hey, how's it going, Redeemer? Uh, Before we get started, I want to tell you about something that's pretty exciting. On August 30th, we're going to take Redeemer on the road. Instead of, instead of gathering for worship in the venue, which we're doing at 9 and 11, we also have online, which is what you're watching. Um, but we're going to go to Doe River Gorge and have a gathered worship service outside in the mountains where you can socially distance. Um, if, if you're interested in being baptized, we'd love to talk to you about that. But not only are we going to worship together outside at 11 o'clock on August 30th, um, we've decided to go ahead and rent their lake for the evening. So for three hours afterwards, we're saying, hang around, bring a lunch, bring a cooler, bring a blanket and chair and towels and bathing suits. And there's zip lines, there's blobs, there's water obstacles. And we're just going to hang out and have a good time as a church family. So if if you've been missing community, if you've been missing gathering together, but just you like, I'm just not comfortable coming to an enclosed room right now. This will be outside. You can be as distant as as you need to be, and we're going to worship together. So I hope you'll come to that. Um, There's more information coming down the line. With that, we'll email you out. There's a promo video, but hey, mark your calendars, August 30th at 11 o'clock, Doe River Gorge, we're going to gather to worship outside, and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be so great. And like I said, if you have any interest in getting baptized, um, there's water, and uh, and we would love to celebrate that with you. So um, shoot us an email, info at redeemercommunity.com, and we'd love to follow up with you and, and get that going as well. But hey, let me pray for us, and we're going to jump in. God, I trust that that you have something for us this morning through your word. So let your word pierce our hearts. Let it change us. Let it convict us. Let it pull us closer to you. It's your name we pray. Amen. Well, in the, the, the book or the movie Les Miserables, you have Jean Valjean. And he gets out of prison from a lengthy sentence where he had stolen a loaf of bread. He gets out. He finds himself living in a bishop's home. And eventually just old habits catch up to him. He steals some silver and he runs off. Well, he gets caught red-handed. His accusers with the police bring him, bring him back to the bishop's house. And, you know, we think that he's going to go back to prison for another long sentence. But in this crazy turn of events, the bishop responds with, with mercy. And, and he, he, he actually says, I gave him the silver. We need to free him immediately and take the handcuffs off. And then in front of the police, in front of the accusers, he's, he's like, oh, and he goes and grabs two candlesticks, silver candlesticks, and says, you forgot these. And you can tell by the look on Jean Valjean's face, he just doesn't know what to do with this. And then after the police leave, he talks to him about how, you know, that he's, he's, he's released him from evil. He's bought him back from evil. He's bought him for good. And, and that he should use the money from the silver to become an honest man. And, and that unspeakable kindness, um, that, that mercy penetrates his heart in such a way that he's forever changed. And, and he does use his life for merciful act after merciful act after merciful act to help those who are oppressed or who are suffering. And, and so we see that that mercy changed his life. Well, um, over the last two weeks, we've seen how God has been extremely merciful to Jonah. 
And now as we get to the back half of the book, chapters three and four, we're gonna see whether or not his life's forever changed. I mean, anyone can change for a season, right? You, you can experience kindness and, and live differently for a couple of days, a couple of weeks, a couple of months, but true change lasts. And so we're gonna get to see whether or not Jonah is changed in a lasting way in chapters three and chapters four, right? So if you've got your Bibles, Jonah chapter three. Quick recap, quick recap. Chapter one, God speaks to Jonah. Chapter two, Jonah speaks to God. Now in chapter three, God is going to speak through Jonah, right? So Jonah chapter three, picking up in verse one. We read, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, or we'll just stop there, all right? So the word of God came to Jonah a second time. All right, so if you've ever felt like God's done with you, if you've ever felt like I've messed up, I've rebelled, and I think God's just moved on, that if you've ever felt like God's just, he's not speaking to you anymore because of something you've done, something we see in Jonah chapter three, verse one, is that that is simply a, a lie that you're believing. God is the God of continual second chances. He's not done with you, and he's going to continue to speak to your heart. You might not be listening, but God is always speaking. And, and so God doesn't write you off. He doesn't move on from you. There's always a second chance. So, so he provides a second chance for Jonah. It makes me think of my, my son, Wit. Wit has the attention span of a squirrel. And so if we're downstairs and I'm like, hey buddy, you need to go clean your room. The chances of him making it from downstairs to upstairs to his room and, and for him to start cleaning are slim to none. Most likely he'll get distracted. Um, from point A to point B, he's gonna find an action figure. And so I'm probably gonna hear noise. I'm gonna hear sounds of Spider-Man epically battling it out with Captain America. And, and so I'll have to go to my, hey buddy, um, get clean your room. And he will look at me as, as, as if that's the first time he heard that. Like, why would I clean my room? It's like, buddy, come on. And so, so I'll guide him again to his room and then he might start, but the chances of him picking up a toy, like a stuffed dog and moving it and then getting distracted and where he starts to play with Chase, you know, from Paw Patrol instead of cleaning his room is, is also extremely high. He's gonna get distracted. And, and so I'll tell him again, hey, you gotta get your room clean. And, and why do I keep telling him again and again and again? Why do I keep speaking to him the same thing? Because I love him and I want him to get done what he needs to get done. And why do I want him to learn to clean his room? Because I want him to become an adult eventually. Like one day I want him to be a contributing member to society. And as he matures, that's going to free him to enjoy more of life, right? Like he's not gonna enjoy life if he's always a kid. So I want to set him up to enjoy more of life because I love him and I want him to grow up. And in the same way, God's gonna keep telling us things to do over and over and over again, even if we're not listening because he loves us enough because he wants us to mature in Christ so that we can enjoy more of life, all right? More of true everlasting life. And so God is the God of second chances. He's not done speaking to you. He'll speak to you again. You just gotta listen. So it comes to, the word of God comes to Jonah again, all right? It comes to him a second time saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you, all right? So, so this is incredible. Here's what we see is that God still wants to speak through us despite our failures. He's like, I've got a message for you to give to them. So he's like, I still want to speak through you. I know you messed up. I know you failed. I know you rebelled, but I still want to speak through you despite your failures. 
um, this is interesting because notice that what does he do? He takes him back to the command to go to Nineveh. Sometimes what happens is God needs to bring us back to a point of disobedience, to a place where we've been saying no, and we need to start there and say yes before he'll move us forward. Um, maybe you're, you're feeling plateaued in your faith. You're like, I feel like I'm just kind of stuck. And it, may, it makes me think of lifting weights. If you get into to weightlifting, um, if you're a beginner, you're going to make progress pretty quick. But it's important that you have proper movement patterns. It's important that you have good form. But despite that, if you have horrendous form, when you're beginning, you can actually make pretty good progress. You can, you can grow and get stronger, but eventually you're gonna hit a, a stopping point where it's like, I'm just not getting any stronger. I'm still lifting hard, but nothing's changing. And what it is, is, is maybe your form's off. Maybe you're, you're not moving with an efficient movement pattern. And so you have to have someone come in and, and deprogram bad habits and reprogram good habits. And, and when you do that, you're taking a step back. You actually might begin to move less weight for a period of time, but what the proper movement patterns will allow is not only for you to catch up where you were, but to then break through that plateau. And so what's happening is that maybe you're plateaued in your faith and, and you're still looking forward, like to, I wanna get there, I wanna go there. And, um, and you're, you're looking out ahead and God's saying, hey, to break that plateau, we actually need to go back. When you go back to a place that you've been saying no, and you need to start saying yes before we can push forward. All right, so what if God needs to take you back to a place of disobedience and get you to, to learn to say yes there before you can break through that plateau? Which is something to think about, okay? Something to think about. Now, so how does Jonah respond? God calls him back to Nineveh. Last time he ran away. How's he gonna respond this time? Verse three, so Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days journey in breadth. Take three days to walk across that thing. Jonah began to go into the city going a day's journey and he called out, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So chapter one, he runs, now he gets up and goes. I have no idea how long this journey took him. I don't know if the fish took him closer to Nineveh and, and puked him out. We know it's over 600 miles north of where he started, all right? And so, so who knows if the fish brought him closer, but this was a long journey probably. Um, imagine what he looked like. I mean, he was in the fish. Like I said, those stomach acids would have been bleaching him out. So he probably looked like the dude from the movie Powder. Just, he's white, probably smells horrendous, right? But he shows up to this city and it's a huge city. He takes a short journey into it and then he delivers the shortest sermon in all of the prophetic writings. Right? Like as far as like a prophetic call out, this is the shortest one. In the Hebrew, the original language, it's only five words. He's just like, God's mad, you're doomed. Like he's keeping it short, all right? So he gives a, a short sermon. And I can't, I might be wrong on this, but I believe he's probably just half-hearted in this. He's like, I gotta do it. I, I, I will, God, you ask me to do it, I'll say yes. It makes me think about, let, let's say a teenager is, is heading out the door and his, the dad's like, hey, you gotta mow the yard before you hang out with your friends. And he's like, what? He's like, before you go, you need to mow the yard. And so the teenager goes outside and 45 minutes later, he, he's rushing out again to go to his friends. And the dad goes outside to see the yard and you know the lines are all jacked up and there's grass clippings all over the sidewalk and out in the road. Um, the, the weed eating job he did, grandma could have done a better job with a bad back and arthritis. And so just, but he can say I mowed the yard, 
but that's about it. He didn't do it with excellence. He, his heart wasn't in it. And so in the same way, Jonah can say, I preached the message to the Ninevites, but I, I wonder if his heart was fully in it, All right? So he delivers this short sermon and we're kind of wondering, how are the Ninevites going to respond? How will they respond to this? So look at verse five. And the people of Nineveh, Nineveh, Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast put on sackcloth. That's like really itchy, scratchy clothes. Um, and from the greatest of them to the least of them, right? So, so they said like, like, we have messed up, right? So, so how do they respond? Well, even though the message is short, it's pretty simple and they get it. And what happens is Jonah's words put the fear of God in them. Now, this is so encouraging for a guy like me because I get to preach God's word every week. And sometimes I can be like, man, I did, I did a really good job and people are going to respond and it just falls flat. And other times I'm like, that was horrible. That was probably the worst sermon I gave in a while. People are like, that was the best one you've given in months. I'm like, I have no clue what to do. Right. And so I think about, um, I've seen pastors deliver some of the worst sermons. I mean, you would rather listen to someone read the dictionary than hear what they had to say. And yet people respond to Christ. And I've seen some of the best sermons and, and been moved by them in ways I'm like, wow. And then they give a, a call of response and, and it completely falls flat. And what I realize and what's encouraging for me is I know like, hey, I can't save people. Only God can. Like I, I, can't, I can't create a response in someone. That's God's job. My job is to faithfully communicate the message he's given me and then to leave the results in his hands. Now, that's true of me, and it's also true of you. This should be so encouraging for you, because I think about maybe, maybe you've been sharing your faith with your uncle, and, and he just he couldn't care less about it. He just said, I don't care about your, your Christianity. Or, or maybe your kids are starting to distance themselves um, from the faith of their youth. And you're sitting there going like, this breaks me, you know, and I'm telling them about who Jesus is, and they're just walking their own path. Or maybe your best friend is starting to hang out with new people because your views are just so different, and it's really discouraging. Well, here's what we know. You, you're powerless to change their hearts. You're not going to change their minds by, by beating them over the head with the Bible, but you can faithfully speak the truth in love when the time is right. And if you're faithful to speak truth in a loving way when, when the right opportunities arise, you can take this posture saying, okay, God, I was faithful, and now I just have to leave the rest in your hands. I have to leave the rest for you to do what only you can do. And, and so it takes so much pressure off of us because we're not the ones who change hearts. God is. And so in, in verse 5, we see like Jonah didn't deliver the best sermon but he was faithful to at least get the message across. And then God took hold of it and Nineveh begins to turn. Nineveh begins to change, All right? Look at, look at verse six, six to nine. The word reached the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast Herd nor flock taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn, take, order that, take note of that word turn, turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows, God may turn and relent and 
turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. All right, so, so real quick, this isn't chronological, okay? So verses six through nine most likely happened before verse five. And so what the author is doing is he's, he's giving us like an, a broad overview of what happened. And then in verses 69, he's kind of stepping back and filling in the details of how we got there. All right. And, and so maybe you're, if you're like me, you're like, what do the cows do? Why, why, do, why do the cows have to get punished for this? They didn't do anything wrong. Um, but here's what's happening. If, if you don't feed cows um, and they're hungry, what are they going to do? They're going to moo. And if the atmosphere of this fast is one of mourning, that mooing in the background from the fields, it's, it's adding to the sorrowful atmosphere, all right? So, so it's creating a, a, um, a full atmosphere of just a sorrowful mourning people, okay? Now, what's interesting is that I said take, take note of that, that word turn, all right? That's the Hebrew word for repentance, and it's used four times in the whole book of Jonah, and those four occurrences happen in verses 8 through 10, which is a way of saying here, I'm introducing a new and important theme, right? So what's happening in Jonah is a new and important theme is being introduced to the book, this theme of turning, this theme of repentance. And so the imagery for us is that we are walking away from God, that our backs are turned to him. We're walking away from God, but there's a change of heart and we turn to him and then begin to pursue his way of life. We begin to pursue Christ's likeness. It's, it's this turning. For us, it's I was walking away from God, my back was to him, but I'm turning around and now I'm forward facing him and I'm running after him, right? So for us, it's this imagery of turning to him. But you'll notice that it also says that God may turn, that word for repentance. And so repentance isn't always turning from something bad, right? It's generally that when we talk about it in scripture, but it's, it's just this idea of turning. And so for God, it's that his wrath was headed towards us because of our sin. But when we have that change of heart, when we repent, when we turn towards him, what happens is that wrath heading towards us turns away. His wrath turns away from us. So even if there's even this turning of God's wrath from us, okay? And so in that, what we realize is that we need a change of heart. We need a change of heart in order to turn to God. We need a change of heart in order for God's wrath to turn from us. And what we know with the whole picture of scripture from, from the Old to the New Testament is that the only thing that forever changes us, that creates lasting change, is faith in Christ. The only thing that will truly change our hearts in a way that we will turn towards God and repent. The only way that truly changes our heart in such a way that God's wrath turns away from us is putting our faith in Christ. And the truth is, is that you can do that today. If you would right now just pray like, hey God, my back has been to you. I know that, that I've, I've been sinning by living for myself instead of for you, and I need forgiveness. And God, I want to the best of my ability for the rest of my life to be facing you and running after you and not other things. And if you would pray that prayer today, what's happened, if, if that's you, is that your heart is beginning this process of forever change, right? Like you are changed and God's wrath is forever gone. You are no longer in the presence or in the pathway of a coming wrath. You are now in the full presence of his grace and love. And that's good news, all right? All right, look at, look at verse 10. Look at verse 10. It says, when God saw what they did, 
how they turned, there's the fourth, fourth time it's used, from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. This is incredible. In um, another prophet, Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 23, we see that God doesn't delight in the death of the wicked. What he delights in is seeing them change. What he delights in is them finding eternal life. And so what we see here is that God is delighting in the forgiving of sinners, sinners like me and you. So God delights not in seeing you find his punishment, find his judgment eternally, but he delights in you turning to him and finding eternal life, all right? So how do we respond to this? How do we respond today? Well, there, there's two ways. All right, there's two, there, I think there's two camps today um, which will determine how you're called to respond. One is maybe you're like the Ninevites. Maybe you're like the Ninevites with your back to God. You might be oblivious to the fact that your back's to God. Like, I didn't even know. Or maybe you're well aware of it. And you just, you're like, I don't care what God has to say. And here's something that's, that's interesting is that the Ninevites historically were doing pretty good at this point. Like their life was not falling apart. And so sometimes people bind to this lie that like, well, if you're not following Jesus, then your life's a wreck. And that's just not true. Sometimes people don't follow Jesus and their life goes fine. Um, but the reason for that is that God's grace is extended to all of us. Now, there's two types of grace that God gives. There's, there's specific grace. That's saving grace. That's only given to those who put their faith in Christ. But there's common grace, which is something we all get to benefit from. We all benefit from common grace. And for Nineveh, Jonah says like, hey, that common grace has a shelf life of 40 days. There was, it was like, hey, this is going to run out and you're going to meet God's wrath. And so I don't know the exact time of, of your lifespan, but there will be a day when you breathe your last. And when God's common grace, that shelf life runs out and you will face him. You'll meet him face to face. And so when you meet him face to face, that's either going to be the worst day of your life because you're gonna experience the fullness of his justice and wrath, or it's gonna be the best day of his life because you're gonna step into the full presence of his specific grace and love for all eternity. And so if you're like the Ninevites today, if you're a person whose back is to God, would you turn to him this morning? The, the only way for you to respond in the morning, the only thing that, that matters today is for you to turn and to trust in Jesus. And I wanna call you towards that. And here's what I'm going to do. Like, like I see in verse 5, I'm going to put that out there. And I'm not going to worry about how well I just said it. I'm just going to trust that, that God's doing a work in your heart. And that God's going to bring you to him. So if you're hearing that and your heart starts beating, I'm telling you, God is working in your life. And he's bringing you to him. And you're going to be saved. All right? And I'd love to hear about it. So don't, don't keep it a secret. All right? Let us know if you're trusted in Jesus today. All right? Now, next. The next way is that maybe you're like Jonah and you're following God as long as it's comfortable. But the moment it costs you something, your inclination, your, your, your natural tendency is not to run to him, but to run away. And, and maybe there's something that God's been calling you to do that you've said no to. And you're hitting that plateau in your faith, wondering why you can't break through it. And today you need to go back to that place and start saying yes. So here, here's a question. Is there something God convicted you of or laid on your heart in the past that you never dealt with? Okay, is there something God convicted you of or laid on your heart in the past 
that you never dealt with. Think about that. Now, what would it look like for God to bring you back to that place? And what would it take for you to say yes instead of no? And maybe he's laid it on your heart to, um, to serve somewhere. Maybe to serve in an area of ministry. And you're like, ah, I, just don't, I don't have time for that. Um, maybe he's laid on your heart to, to give sacrificially of, of your resources, things that he's given you and blessed you with. Or maybe he's called you, laid on your heart to give sacrificially of your, your time. And you're just like, ah. And, and you kind of just moved on. You're like, I, I feel that, but like, it's just more comfortable to, to not deal with it. So you, you've, you've never said yes. Maybe he's, he's laid on your heart to share your faith with someone and you've been buying to this lie that like, well, I've just, I've messed up too much. They know how I spoke that one night at that party, or they know how I've been spending my money, or they know, and you're like, like they're not going to listen to me. And you're, you're kind of making all these excuses, but it's like, but God's calling you to share your faith with them. And, and, and you keep saying no, but it's time to, to say, I'm going to bridge that gap. Maybe he's calling you to, to put roots down. Maybe you're, you're just kind of like non-committal, and you're just kind of thinking, you want to keep your options open. And God's saying like, hey, I want you to put your roots down right here in Johnson City. Uh, don't worry about what's next. Don't worry about what's, what's your five-year plan, your 10-year plan. I just want you to be settled and rooted for this season. Maybe, or maybe, maybe God's calling you to get up and go. He's like, you gotta go. Like, maybe, maybe he's called you to the mission field. Maybe he's called you to somewhere. It's like, it's like, it's like you, you, your comfort zone is here. And, and I know it's uncomfortable to think about moving. God's saying like, it's time to go, but you keep saying no. And he's like, he's like no, I need you to, need you to go. I don't, I don't know what God's laid on your heart, but what, is there something God's laid on your heart that you've just never dealt with? Or maybe he's convicted you in some areas, some areas of sin in your life, and, um, and you need to, to start saying no to the sinful and saying yes to Jesus. I, I don't know where it is. But if you've plateaued in your faith, where might God need to take you back to before he can move you forward? God, thank you for your word. I'm trusting right now. I'm trusting right now that there are those who need to turn to you for the first time. And there are those who have already trusted you, but, but need to start saying yes to some areas they've been saying no in. So God, work in our hearts as only you can. God, my words without you powering them fall flat. So God, empower this message to bring change to our hearts. And we pray. Amen. Hey, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and broke it. And he said, this is my body for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he, he took a cup and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. As, as often as you drink, do this in remembrance of me. And, and for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the death of the Lord. And, and that's communion. That's what we're, we're called to do this on a regular basis. And I, I want to do it together in person, and, but I know that we still need to remember the cross even when we can't gather. And so I want to invite you to that. Here in a little bit, you'll have a chance to respond with whatever you've got at home that can serve as bread or juice. But as you do, I want you to do something for me. One is I want you to boldly believe 
that like the Ninevites, that God forgives sinners, that, that your sin, confess it and believe that God has forgiven you. And two, like Jonah, believe that God's not done with you. That if you feel like you've messed up too much and that God can't use you, know that God is in the business of giving second chances continually and that he still wants to speak through you. He has a ministry and a purpose for your life to, to help others know him. Believe that. And also, um, the, the presence of Christ. When you pray, give us this day our daily bread in the Lord's Prayer. Um, remember that Jesus is the bread of life. And in the same way that we need food for physical strength, we need Christ for spiritual strength. So, so ask, ask God to be your strength, that Christ in you would strengthen you to say yes where, where you've been saying no. So I hope you'll do that here in a little bit. Um, hope to see you next week as we wrap up Jonah in chapter four. And then I hope to see you in two weeks, hopefully in person, as we worship outdoors at Doe River Gorge. We love you guys and can't wait to see you. Thank you so much for listening to this audio from Redeemer Community Church in Johnson City, Tennessee. You can connect with us and find out more information at RedeemerCommunity.com.